And welcome to another week of Drinking with the Devil. We're your host, I'm Thomas. And I'm Heather. And this week we're having sugar cookie drinks. It's pretty fucking good, actually. Should have been a shot. Should have been a jello shot. But it's not. It's not. Thought it was a boogie, but it's not. <laughs> it should have been a jello shot. We have been working on Baba Yaga's hut, putting her together. And she's coming along. It won't be long till Heather will actually be up here working on a regular basis. Instead of down in our dark, dank, damp basement that looks like something that should have been in one of the Hannibal movies. I just made our basement sound really cool. You did. I did. <laughs> I always think of it as the laboratory. I'm going down into I the call laboratory. The <laughs> yeah. I've been calling it the morgue, so. Yeah, you know. The laboratory. That being said. Heather, what episode is this? Halloween. Halloween. That means we're going to talk about creepy, spooky stuff. And Heather, what are you talking about? I am telling a story about a dragon and his grandmother. So we got spooky, scary, haunted White House. That's right. We're talking about the place the president lives and a dragon. And as we know from past experience, Heather's stories are never as obvious as they would seem. That being said, let's kick on into this, let's get on going, and let's roll. Oh yeah, I've been staying on my mental health regimen, one pill a day, and Heather hasn't killed anyone that she's confessed to. <laughs> I've thought about it a lot. A lot. <laughs> a lot. Well, sometimes you have to, as long as it's only a thought. Say my biggest uh, ally is my thought of self-preservation. Right? Nobody wants to spend that much time in jail. Not in, not in that county, who knows? It's like being there with people I hate. <laughs> I don't know you, you're not my liquor store. No, I'm no, sorry. I'm sorry. No, sorry. <laughs> you're the one from the dollar gent. No, no. You told me to get the fuck out. Yep. yep. <laughs> I know that, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this week's haunted White House story, and sorry, I'm going to be a little bit fidgety. My foot is hurting for some reason. Is coming straight from the Washington Post, which means probably can't believe a word that's in it. No, I'm just right. Well, you know. Yeah. Trust no media. We might do a conspiracy next month. Oh, that would be fun. I love a conspiracy theory. We might do conspiracies next. Cults and conspiracy theories just make Ooh, me happy. We can talk cults, can't we? Ooh. I can talk Aleister Crowley. I don't really consider him a cult. Well, considering he got into some shit so deep that he scared himself. I don't really consider him a cult. I don't. Everybody's like, oh, that's a cult. No, that's not a cult. They don't cut you off from your family. They don't cut you off from... I'm just referring to the fact that he got into some dark shit that... He got into some ugly shit, but I don't really... I, I really can't say that that was a cult. You could leave it anytime you wanted to. You were not stuck. You were not moved out to, like, some weird little fucking spot in the middle of nowhere to go live off the land while he, you know, stayed in his crazy-ass little house with the tiger in the tower. No, but he did do the uh, sexual thing where, you know... He had sex with That's all That's because they're Satanists. That's just because, you know, everybody who starts any type of religion is like, you know what? 
You don't want to get closer to God? It's right here, baby. Right here in my crotch. <laughs> I will make you see But But I'm going to say that because I've heard, you know, the the Church of Satan on a whole lot of cult things, and it's the least culty cult. It is. Because they didn't cut you off. They didn't tell you that you couldn't have a family, that you couldn't work a job, you couldn't be a normal person. Well, they would cast spells on you if you uh, left on bad terms. That's what got uh, the drummer from Led Zeppelin. That's just a metaphysical. Fuck you. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) All that being said, let's... I was spitting many a person's fucking footprint when they left me the bad way. It's the same damn thing. So, on a lonely night in 1946... President Harry S. Truman went to bed at 9 p.m. Yelled, fucker. About six hours later, he heard it. Knock, knock, knock. The sound against his bedroom door awakened him. That's 3 a.m., people. Hmm? (laughs) It really is. He wrote to his wife in a letter that is archived in his presidential library and museum. Now, I'm going to do my Harry S. Truman voice, so... <laughs> I jumped up and put on my bathroom, opened the door, and no one was there. Huh? He wrote, <laughs> "Don't sue me. I have nothing." Oh God, I'm sorry. <laughs> I went out and looked up and down the hall, looked into your room and Margie's. Still, no one. Went back to bed after locking the door, and there were footsteps in your room whose door I left open. Jumped and looked, and no one there. The damned place is haunted, sure as shooting. Secret Service said not even a watchman was up here that hour. He did not say sure as shooting. He said sure as shooting. He said sure as shooting on paper. He said, bitch, you get your ass home, big motherfucker. You and Margie had better come back and protect me before some of these ghosts carry me off. Boom! Didn't even know it. Wow, Truman. Wow. Yeah. He was a true man. (laughs) Y'all missed it, but I did the double thumb shot. Yep. Yep. With the douche face. With the douche face. Truman, he was a World War II president, wasn't he? Yeah. 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 In addition to its political ghost, the White House has long housed unsettling specters of a different, more bump-in-the-night kind, if numerous former leaders and their staff members are to be believed. Well, you know, they are politicians, so... But, you know, that's, that's kind of something a politician wouldn't want on their resume. Scared of ghosts? I've seen ghosts. When I was in the White House. I seen dead people. I tried to get her come in my bed. But she saw Hillary and she was like, Oh God! <laughs> you already got one. That poor succubus. <laughs> she ran out of that room. Twelve shots to the back. She committed suicide. <laughs> Not saying that the Clintons are responsible for any actions. That might be a conspiracy next month though. Just to stay tuned. Whether one embraces or mocks the paranormal, in many accounts they have spilled out of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue over two centuries. Wow. 
give goats an undeniable place in the country's history. They also make that address arguably the nation's most famous haunted house. Well, that's just by default. It's the most haunted house in the or most famous house in the nation to begin with. Amen. So by default, if it's haunted, it's going to be the most famous haunted house. But most people don't realize it's haunted. That's just Bill Clinton's interns trying to find their way through the secret passages. Every now and then, Secret Service people throw an MRE down there. (laughs) Not saying that he has interns kept prisoner. I'm just saying they got lost. (laughs) The sightings which have been documented in eerie detail by scholars and newspapers involve a former president who appears when the nation needs a leader most. A daughter who pleads in vain to help her doomed mother and a first lady who is sadly perpetually stuck doing laundry. That poor bitch, I know her pain. You start laundry and it's never fucking over. Never. It's like there's a goddamn laundry monster in the bathroom floor. Mm-hmm. It's like mold, it just keeps growing. <laughs> <laughs> a former president who appears when the nation needs a leader most. That motherfucker has got to be like glowing right now, going, hey! Dumbasses! <laughs> right. Whoa, whoa, no, don't do that, don't do that. No! He, he's been doing it for the last 20 years mm-hmm. that I know of. Longer than that. Oh, let's see, I'm 36, so about 26 years. I'm not a big Clinton fan, but uh, that was the last time when I felt comfortable with the yeah. destination of America, honestly. I was like 10. I didn't know any fucking better. Jared Broach is the founder of the company not- Nightly Spirits. God, I almost went super fucking Southern with that. Did you hear that <laughs> shit try to slip out? Nightly Spirits. Yeah, I wonder what kind of spirits we talking about. Whiskey rum, a little bit of vodka. They got yeah. moonshine up in there, do they? Some hooch. Good old-fashioned hooch. Which makes you wonder. A lot of these uh, old hillbilly types refer to their alcohol as hooch. Uh, I've heard them refer to their woman as a... A hoochie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Does that mean you have to have some hooch in you in order to get on it? Probably. Yeah. But when Broach started the tours in 2012, he offered only one. The White House. Boom, boom, boom. The White House has the best ghost stories, and I'd call them the most verified, Broach said. Honestly, we could do a 10-hour tour if we really wanted to. You have a fucking president walking around saying no. No. Stop. Stop watching porn in the Oral Oval Office! <laughs> Damn it, Bill! <laughs> oh my God! He's seen Bill Clinton saxophone. His woodwind. <laughs> one. Of, <laughs> <God>. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! We're gonna get a cease and desist after this one. <laughs> I'm just going to turn up dead from a strange suicide where I shoot myself five times in the back (laughs) with marijuana in my system. One of his favorite stories is about David Burns, who sold the land where the White House sits and whose voice has been reportedly heard in the Oval Office. I'm Mr. Burns. That is how it is written. It is literally 
B U U U U U U U R N S. I'm Mr. Burns. Roach would always say during his tour when he got to that part of the story. That would kind of be the beginning of the story, wouldn't you think? You'd think. Well, today we're at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, property that was purchased from Mr. Burns. By the way, he haunts the place and he goes, I'm Mr. Burns. I can't deny that because the spiritual does seem to drag out its words. But I kind of feel like we're hearing more of an echo and sound waves the further you get. Stretch. So what I say, hi, can you hear me? Further down the way sounds more like, hi, can you hear me? Like super slowed down version because it is sound waves, which does have like anything else, natural effects of drag from wind, gravity, and other effects or outstanding sources. Asked if he believes in ghosts, Broach said, for sure. And then he pointed to one of the more prestigious authorities. If I said no, I'd be calling about eight different presidents liars, he said. One of them would be Abraham Lincoln. He reportedly received regular visits from his son Willie, who died in the White House in 1862 at age 11 of what was probably typhoid fever. Mary Todd Lincoln, who was so grief-stricken by the loss of that she remained in her room for weeks, spoke of seeing her son's ghost once at the foot of her bed, and there are also reports of her hearing Thomas Jefferson playing the violin and Andrew Jackson swearing, that's gonna be me. <laughs> Four score and go fuck yourself. <laughs> I left a deuce in your bed. <laughs> that that would be That's me. Funny. Yes, that would be you. After his assassination in 1865, Lincoln apparently joined his son in the phantasmal roaming. That's actually a really big word. I'm proud of myself. First Lady Grace Coolidge spoke in magazine accounts of seeing him look out a window and what had been in his office. Many more sightings would come in the decades and presidential administrations that followed. Ooh, this is a funny name. Queen Wilhelmina, 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 I'm fucking your name up, Queen Wilhelmina. Wilhelmina. Of the Netherlands was sleeping in the Lincoln bedroom in 1942 when she reportedly heard a knock on her bedroom door opened it to see the bearded president and fainted. Well, how about you let me uh, emancipate them britches off you, sweet love? Oh my. <laughs> you know, Abraham Lincoln was a log cabin boy known for them muscles. He was actually really a truly fit person. Two years early, earlier, which would have been 1940, I don't know why they didn't go with that one first, British Prime Minister Winston Churchill, according to accounts, had just stepped out of a hot bath in that same room and was wearing nothing but a cigar. When he well, <laughs> a cigar me. and a smile. When he encountered Lincoln by the fireplace. Gracious. I'm going to do my worst British accent ever, probably. No, I'm not, because I'm going to fuck it up if I try it. But. Good evening, Mr. President, Churchill reportedly said. You seem to have me at a disadvantage. 
I'm doing so. All you had in your mouth was a cigar and all you had in your hand was another cigar. In his research, Broach said he found that Lincoln seems to be the most common visitor among the White House ghosts and also the one who carries the greatest burden. Okay, I'm going to pause there and we're going to discuss the possible reasons why Lincoln is the most common ghost in the White House. And I know this from my years and years and years and years of studying this exact topic. Mary Lincoln Todd held spiritual rituals within the White House walls. Yes, she did. She was a firm spiritualist, which was a big no-no in those times. That is probably why Lincoln is more commonly seen there because his energy was already being basically spread throughout the house by Mary Lincoln Todd. You know, right after his death, she probably started trying to contact him instantly. She was inst he didn't even get time to cross over before she was probably trying to contact him, him and go, hey. So that is why I believe that Lincoln is probably the most common uh, spirit within the White House because of Mary Lincoln Todd. They say Lincoln always comes back whenever he feels the country is in need or in peril. They say he just strides up and down the second floor hallways and raps on doors and stands by windows. So basically he walks up, doorbell ditches you and stares out the window rubbing his nipples going, I'm your president. I'm your president. In 1989, Washington Post article, God, I can't talk because I'm trying not to laugh from that, the mental image of a Quaker. <sighs> In 1989, Washington Post article, White House curator Rex Skelton said the President Ronald Reagan had commented that his dog would go into any room except the Lincoln bedroom. <laughs> I wonder why. President's up there rubbing his nipples. I wouldn't go in there either, puppy. I don't blame you. All right. He said he'd just stand there outside the door and bark, Skelton said. Among other spirited stories are those about Annie Surratt. Now, this is actually a really interesting story. So, I'm going to read the article and then I'm going to put in the knowledge that I know from, again, years and years and years of studying this stuff. Some have sworn her ghost knocks on the front door pleading for the release of her mother, Mary Surratt, who was convicted of playing a role in Lincoln's assassination and later hanged. I don't like that word. Hanged? Hanged. It's hung. She was hung. But I guess we've spent so long saying people are hung like a horse that people automatically go to the... Uh, male appendage with it so they started saying hanged you're not dragged you're drug you are drug through the mud not dragged through the mud Ugh. rant over Mary Surratt Lewis Powell David Harrell George Atterzoit who? A-T-Z-E-R-O-D-T I ain't even touching that one. Yep. George. George. What's up, George? Jorge. 
are hung inside Fort McNair in Washington on July 7, 1865. Alexander Gardner, Liberty of Congress. Or Library of Congress. <laughs> Liberty, Liberty of Congress. Okay, so that's all they're going to talk about this. Alright, so Mary Sutton actually owned the bar or inn that the conspiracy to kill Abraham Lincoln was plotted. And there's an argument that maybe her son was involved and blah, 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 blah. His name wasn't mentioned amongst those who were murdered or hung due to the conspiracy. So I'm going to leave him out because I don't even know if she had a son because they always talk about her daughter. But, you know, that being nonetheless, she gets blamed because people used her in to plot the assassination of Lincoln. Now, think about that her inn. How many people were in and out of that inn constantly? Do you really think she could have known every conversation that happened within her bar? No. No. It is highly likely that an innocent woman was hung. Especially if they had like a private dining room. That's really one of those things where they bring you your food and they leave. <clears throat> They don't keep rolling up in there. They don't know what you're talking about. No, that's how the American Revolution was planned. Bingo. In bars. Because in bars. it's too loud. So there's they, a, And they had private dining rooms. There's a really good chance that she was innocent. Innocent. They hung an innocent woman because they needed to make as big of a spectacle as they could. And at that time, to hang a woman was unheard of. Yeah, it was a big deal. You don't hang women. So, there are also haunting accounts involving two president's wives. Abigail Adams was the first first lady to live in the White House and use the East Room to dry sheets. Oh, this is the one that's constantly doing laundry for the rest of her life. That's dope, though. This woman is the first lady of the country. The first first lady to ever, ever step foot in the, in the White, White House. And she's washing the sheets. Yep. That's her house, people. Since her death, there have been reported sightings of her likeness in that area. She walks, according to the accounts, with her arms outstretched as if holding clean linen. Bless her heart. Now, I will say, holding clean linen, that would be palms up. Palms up. Elbows in. Elbows in. But what is that also? Help me. Well, no. That's how I go to hug people. You put your arms out like that. If they accept it, your arms go all the way out. You know I'm not a hugger. <laughs> You're a fighter, not a hugger. I'm not a hugger. That is an act of supplication. But back then, welcoming. Welcome. Elbows in, hands out to show you are safe. You show your wrist because back then they had the little guns that they held in their wrist. The quick shot Derringers. And this is why I say people there are two kinds of people in the world. What are your two types? You see welcoming. I'm an optimist. I see help me. She could have been looking for help. Goddamn laundry gets fucking annoying after a hundred centuries. 
<laughs> Somebody come show me how to use this washing machine, please. <laughs> well, what if you fucking people do something wrong? This goddamn <laughs> Dolly Madison, if the stories about her are to be believed, seemed to have chosen a better eternal pastime, taking care of the garden. During the Woodrow Wilson administration, staff members reported seeing her ghost as they were about to move the Rose Garden. They apparently decided afterward to leave it where she... Well, no, fucking shit! Hey, uh, we're going to move that Rose Garden suddenly in aberration. What you doing? Wait, what? Huh? <laughs> let, 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 let's discuss this. Let, let, let's, let's take a moment to encapsulate. Uh, Think about this. <laughs> The predicament. The serendipitous. She said, oh, no, you're not. You, you got to be a Boondock Saints fan to really catch that reference. The First Lady was also connected to another storied Washington location. Now, this is one I heard. The First Lady is also connected to when the British burned down their home during the War of 1812. She and President James Madison moved to the Octagon House on the corner of 18th Street and New York Avenue, Northwest, making it the temporary White House. Alright, seeing that they seem to pass over that. No, 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 no. Do not take away from this woman's fucking heroic actions during the War of 1812. She didn't just run to the next White House. She ran into the burning fucking White House to get the painting of George Washington off the fucking burning wall when no man, no soldier, no president, no one else would do it. She ran in at a time when women were supposed to be frail. She women ain't never been in, frail. But they were supposed to be. She was high society she was not to be seen as someone who took action and she ran into a burning building that is badassery at the max especially with what the white house was built with heart pine wood is flammable that shit burns and it burns hot that seriously they need to have a day specifically for that action. Right. Because that was pure badassery. Unexplained occurrences there have been linked to the deaths of three women, including two daughters of a, the wealthy man who built the house. In both incidents, according to the newspaper accounts, the women had argued with their father about who they wanted to marry and then fell from the same scare staircase. You want to marry that son bitch? Marry him in hell. I'm sorry, but if I feel like someone just shoved me down a flight of stairs, I'm going to have a pretty good indicator. My last words will not be, ah. <laughs> they're going to be, I fucked your old woman. <laughs> your dog's hung. You're not. That's why your wife has sex with your dog. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> you know, I'm talking shit, people. I promise you. Bells could be heard in the house when no one was there to ring them. Ring my bell. Yeah, see, that would be me as a ghost. 
And everybody be like, I hear bells. And on the other side of the veil, I'm sitting there playing with bells. Going, ring my bell. <laughs> ring my bell. Dancing naked. <laughs> ghost I want to be okay so bells could be heard in the house when no one was there to ring them reads a 1969 Washington Post article about the location seems like the Washington Post quotes a lot of Washington Post articles oh yeah they're their bone best source right and we talked about this didn't we ooh, ooh. a specter of a girl in a in white can be seen slipping up the stairway terrifying screams and morbid groans that's just someone taking a poop. <laughs> I'm going to hell. Can be heard emanating from the house. Some insist that it was impossible to cross the hall at foot of the stairwell on certain days without unconsciously going around some unseen obstacle on the floor. Unconsciously avoiding that means subconsciously that means chances are you got a gift that you're not using right newspapers once treated stories about ghosts with far less skepticism than they may today a washington post article published august 13th 1907 describes the police department's effort to address paranormal activity in georgetown with the headline spooks baffle police <laughs> Well, nah, fucking we shit. We can't get to No. I put that son bitch in a set of handcuffs, and would you believe? He took them off. Be like trying to arrest fucking Houdini. <laughs> All right, Mr. Houdini, put your hands behind your back. Sure thing. But how are you going to arrest me when, ha ha, your hands are in handcuffs? Mr. Houdini, you got the right hand, but that was my scrotum in the leg. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Despite the vigilance of Captain Schneider and his officers of the 7th Precinct, they continue night after night their weird and ghost-like tricks, the author wrote. The police are unable to stop the shower of gravel and stones, which appear to be the favorite means of manifestation of the materialistic ghost, nor are they able to discover whence they came. The headline for a 1903 Post story, which ran next to an advertisement offering lawn swing for $3.95, said, White House ghosts changing the mansion have driven them away. Okay, usually changes in a mansion don't drive ghosts away. Stirs them up. Stirs them up, pisses them off, makes them say, hey, I want a goddamn TV next to my toilet. What are you doing? <laughs> Motherfucking bowling alley. What the hell? TV, jukebox, something. I want to be in there going 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock. <laughs> Come on. In the article, a longtime White House servant lamented how renovations had cleared the mansion of the spirits that kept him company on lonely nights. He described them as gliding up public stairways and down private ones. They went down private stairways. <laughs> They're Clinton's interns. Stop. Lost in the walls. Somebody save me. No. 
<laughs> it's the truth, the gospel truth, said Jerry Smith, who is described as spending a quarter century at the White House. Times are not what they used to be about the House. Ever since I first went to the White House, I have seen the spirits of Mr. Lincoln and other presidents as they died, but you know that they don't like new places. And I never seen a sight of Mr. Lincoln or General Grant. But Lincoln, it seems, would not be scared away so easily. Lincoln sounds like he's a little bit of a stubborn uh, motherfucker. He would have to be. Right. He still had shit to do. He was not done. He married Mary Lincoln Todd. I mean, Mary Todd Lincoln. Funny story, and it's really not anything to do with ghosts. But Mary Todd had sex with Lincoln. Looked at him and said, I am pregnant, and I will not wait for the rabbit to die for you to marry me. So, what they would do is they would inject the urine of a woman into a rabbit, and if the rabbit died, it meant she was pregnant. She was an assertive lady. To look at the man right after sex and be like, yep, she done did knock me up there, cabin boy. <laughs> and we ain't waiting on the hoss and pepper for you to marry my ass. I got an axe right here. I will chop it off. Four score and seven years ago, I should have wore a sheepskin. Mary Abon, who worked for Eleanor Roosevelt, reported seeing him on his bed, pulling on his boots. Her screams apparently brought Secret Service agents running. Miss Roosevelt, in a 1932 talk about life in the White House, told a group of San Antonio that she felt another presence when she worked in a room where many presidents had also worked. I get a distinct feeling that there are, or that there is someone in the room, she said. After Truman wrote to his wife about the knocks on his door, the president's daughter wrote him back. Margaret Truman, in a 1986 biography of her mother, said she and her mom were skeptical of the existence of ghosts, presidential or otherwise and she wrote her father saying so. In his reply, he said, Gotta do my Truman voice. <clears throat> I'm sure they're here, and I am not so much alarmed at the meeting up with any of them. I'm sure old Andrew Jackson could give me a good advice and probably teach me a good swear word, he wrote, according to the book. And I am sure old Grover Cleveland could tell me some choice remarks to make to some political leaders. So I won't lock my doors or bar them either if any of the old coots in the pictures out in the hall want to come out of their frames for a friendly chat. Andrew Jackson. Cut. Fucker. Big <laughs> hey, kid. Jet weasel. Fuck puddle. Tell me if you hear one you ain't heard before. Oh my gracious. Yeah, I'm gonna have to edit the shit out of that. Oh yeah, as you were of It's by Teresa Vargas. Wherefore Teresa Vargas is a local columnist for the Washington Post. Before becoming coming to the post, she worked at Newsday in New York. She has degrees from Stanford University and Columbia University School of General Journalism. Ta-da! Oh wow. Ooh. That being said, let's turn it over to Heather for my favorite part of the week. Alright. This is the dragon and his grandmother. Didn't know dragons had grandmothers, but you know, I guess everybody's uh, got to have one. It was once a great war, and the king had a great many soldiers, but he gave them so little pay 
that they could not live upon it. Then three of them decided to run away from the army. One of them said to the others, if we get caught, we shall be hanged on the gallows. How shall we set about it? The other said, do you see that large cornfield there? If we were to hide ourselves in that, no one could find us. The army cannot come into it. Tomorrow it is to march on. They crept into the corn, but the army did not march, but remained and camped close around them. They sat for two days and two nights in the corn and grew so hungry that they nearly died. But if they were to venture out, it was certain death. They said at last, what was it, our deserting from the army? We must die here miserably. While they were speaking, a fiery dragon came flying through the air and hovered near them and asked why they were hidden there. They answered, we are three soldiers and have deserted because our pay is so small. <laughs> it sounds like people that work for my job. Sounds like uh, people in general right yeah, now. Now, if we remain here, we shall die of hunger. And if we move out, we shall be strung up on the gallows. <laughs> if you will serve me for seven years, said the dragon, I will lead you through the midst of the army so that no one shall catch you. We have no choice. I must take your offer, said they. Then he dragon seized them in his claws, took them through the air over the army, and set them down on earth a long way from it. He gave them a little whip, saying, Whip and slash with this, and as much money as you want will jump up before you. You can live then as great lords, keep horses, and drive about in carriages, but after seven years, you're mine. Then he put a book before them, which he made them, all three of them sign. I will then give you three riddles, he said. If you guess them, you shall be free and out of my power. The dragon then flew away, and they journeyed on with their little whip. They had as much money as they wanted, wore gray and clothes, and made their way into the world. Wherever they went, they lived in merrymaking and splendor, drove about with horses and carriages, ate and drank, but did nothing wrong. The time passed quickly away, and when the seven years were nearly ended, two of them grew terribly anxious and frightened, but the third man let it say, Don't be afraid, brothers. I wasn't born yesterday. I will guess the riddles. They went into a field, sat down. The other two pulled long faces. An old woman passed by and asked them why they were so sad. Alas, what could have happened to... What have you to do with it? You cannot help us. Who knows, she answered. Then they told her that they had become servants of the dragon for seven long years, and how he had given them money as plentiful as blackberries. But as they had signed their names, they were his. Unless when the seven years had passed, they could guess a riddle. The old woman said, if you would help yourselves, one of you must go into the wood. And there he will come upon a tumble-down building of rocks, which looks like a little house. He must go in, and there he will find help. The two melancholy ones thought, they won't save us. They remained where they were, but the third and merry one jumped up and went further into the wood until he found the rock hut. In the hut sat a very old woman, who was the dragon's grandmother. She asked him how he came and what was his business there. He told her all that had happened, and because she was pleased with him, she took compassion upon him and said she would help him. She lifted a large stone which lay over the cellar, saying, hide yourself there. You can hear all that is spoken in this room. Only sit still and don't stir. When the dragon comes, I will ask him what the riddle is, for he tells me everything. Listen carefully to what he answers. At midnight, the dragon flew in and asked for his supper. His grandmother laid the table and brought out food and drink until he was satisfied. And they ate and drank together. And then in the course of the conversation, she asked him what he had done in the day and how many souls he had conquered. You know, now, dearie. <laughs> how many souls did you get for me? <laughs> well, I haven't had much luck today, he said, but I have had a tight hold on three soldiers. Indeed, three soldiers, said she, who cannot escape you. They are mine, answered the dragon scornfully, for only I shall only give them three riddles, which they would never be able to guess. What sort of riddles are they, she asked. The first one is like this, said the dragon. 
Well, it goes on four legs in the morning, on two legs at noon, and three legs in the evening. You don't know? I know the answer to that one. I don't know. It's man. Oh. You crawl, you walk, you came. Oh, it's like an actual morning, noon, and... Morning, noon, and evening. It's a riddle. Why? Half the dragon a person does. He crawls on all fours as a baby, walks on two legs as an adult, and walks with two legs and a stick in old age. The lady, old lady exclaimed, No one else has riddles as cunning as yours. They are unlikely to guess the answer to that one for sure. But if they do, what is your second riddle? The dragon replied that his second riddle was just as devious and even prettier for it was in the form of a rhyme that went like this. Though of great age, I'm kept in a cage. Having a long tail and one ear, my mouth is round. And when joys do abound, oh, then I sing wonderful clear. What am I? Can't you guess the answer? Well, I'm a bell, of course. Dong, said the dragon. <laughs> I'm a bell. I'm a bell. Dong. Dong. The old lady shook her head in wonderment at her grandson's cunning. Oh, you are the most cunning dragon who ever lived and breathed fire, she explained. What do you have for your final and most difficult riddle? Oh, just some simple arithmetic, said the dragon. As I was going to St. Ives, I met a man with seven wives. Every wife had seven sacks. Every sack had seven cats. Every cat had seven kits. Kits, cats, sacks, and wives. How many were going to St. Ives? Oh, just the original guy. As I was going... To St. Ives. Exactly. They were not also going. Just him. As the old lady could not answer, he said only one was going to St. Ives. All the others were going the other way. <laughs> ha! The souls of the three soldiers were mine for sure. Then the dragon ate his supper of hot coals and soup made from boiling oil and went to bed. When the dragon was soundly asleep, his old grandmother pulled up the stone and let the soldier out. Did you pay attention to everything? He said, yes. He replied, I know enough, and I can help myself splendidly. Then he went out by another way, through the window, secretly, in all haste, back to his comrades. He told them how the dragon had been outwitted by his grandmother, and how he had heard from his own lips the answer to the riddles. They were all delighted and in high spirits, took out their whip, and cracked so much money that it came jumping up from the ground. When the seven years had quite gone, the fiendish dragon came to the soldiers with his book, and pointing at the signature said, And now you must answer my riddles, or your soul shall be mine for all eternity. What well, goes on four legs in the morning, on two legs in noon, and on three legs in the evening? The first soldier replied, a person. No hesitation. The dragon was much annoyed and hummed and hawed a good deal and asked the next riddle. Though of great age, I'm kept in the cage, having a long tail and one ear, my mouth that is round, and when joys do abound, oh, then I sing wonderful clear. What am I? A bell, said the second soldier. The dragon made a face and growled again three times, hum, hum, hum. <sighs> And said to the third, as I was going to St. Ives, I met a man with seven wives. Every wife had seven sacks. Every sack had seven cats. Every cat had seven kits. Kits, cats, sacks, and wives. How many were going to St. Ives? Only one, replied the third soldier. And the dragon flew away with a loud shriek and had no more power over them. The three soldiers took the little whip, whipped as much money as they wanted, and lived happily to their lives' end. Your grandma's a bitch. Your grandma's a bitch. Be nice to your grandmother's children. <laughs> Remember, the person who spends time with grandma making her feel special is the one she gives the best shit to. Pretty much. Yeah. That's a, that's one of those things where, you know, every now and again, you know, grandma don't Respect give a shit about you. Elders. Respect thy elders. 
I'm going to say that to a point because some old people just, no, no. I'm going to say this, and it's not going to be a very popular opinion, but respect is given when respect is earned. And a lot of people like to think that just because they're old as fuck, they instantly deserve respect. And that's not necessarily the case. I can mention multiple occasions in my life when there's people I've been really fucking good to that the moment I step out of line from their will, there's on holy hell to pay. Exactly. So there's a lot of old people who can go fuck themselves. Yeah, y'all gotta remember I work in customer service. I deal with a lot of people that have no respect for anybody. Nobody. Like they Including they make themselves. a they make a game out of oh let's torment this person because they're standing behind a cash register trying to do their job. And it's not okay. It's not cool. That is something that really irritates the mess out of me. Why are you going to pick a fight with someone when you know they aren't going to be able to fight back? I have told many a person, meet me after hours, and none of them has ever showed up. Of course not. Because it's not, it, it's about power. It's about trying to throw your weight around. And, and the thing of it is, is like, you know, I don't make the rules for, for the place I work at. Because the people that make the rules for the place that don't ever have to talk to the people that you have to say, we can't do this and this is why. I would seriously go into a depression if I lost my job. I would. I love my job. Greatest fucking people I've ever worked for. Had it not been for my boss, I probably would not be in the house I'm in. Very that, true. He gave me money out of his pocket to put down for earnest money. You know, greatest person in the fucking world to me. I was looking for a job when I found that one. I will find another. Do not try Rumpel Skelton just because I'm short and fat. I will <laughs> fuck you up. It's one of those things. It's like... I think people have lost so much respect for what those of us that deal with people every day deal with. Well, the problem is it's not even that they lost respect. It's so many people have been given stuff without the expectation of earning it. It's old, it's young, it's everybody. They feel like they are owed something because they walk into a place. Like, always remember, the place you walk into, okay... If you walk into a store, it's not public property. No. That is a privately owned, privately run business. And you can go fuck yourself. If, if you're to, if you're leave. asked to leave, you got to go. You need to to exit. You no. can't stand there and argue that it's public property. You cannot because it's not. It's not. Even if it's leased property, it is owned by somebody. It is a private business. The only places that are technically public property are places that are run by the government. And even those have no trespassing signs. And even those usually have no trespassing signs or they're blocked off for some reason. You know, there is an expectation that you will behave a certain way when you are out in public. You want to act like an asshole at home? Act like an asshole at home. Don't do it in, in the street, people. Right. There's no need. It's ain't, unnecessary. Ain't no, ain't no need for it. Ain't none of us got the spoons for it. And if you walk into the wrong place, you might get cussed out. All that being said, I say this was a good week. A good Halloween story. You were killing me with all them damn voices. I just... Huh? <laughs> Go get sued by Disney next. Watch this fight. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> so, funny story. Wouldn't be the first time I've gotten a cease and desist letter. All I'm saying. 
I'm waiting. I'm waiting for a cease and desist. I'm going to go into details because, you know, probably bringing it up would qualify me for another cease and desist letter. I just don't have the money to do a legal battle right now. But I will say, the cage match offer stands for Mr. Mm-hmm. He and who shall not be named. He who shall not be named until he accepts my cage match offer, at which point he has to move back to Canada and never sing another motherfucking song. <laughs> I didn't narrow the list because apparently now every fucking star in America is from Canada. That being said, it's been a good week and I am glad to have shared my Halloween with you. And with you. Y'all have. He's just happy we got a bar in the hut, y'all. We got Baba Yaga's hut has a bar. <laughs> uh, uh. Now I can drink and work at the same time. He gonna sit out here all the time. <laughs> I will. This might be the best fucking shed in like all of creation, simply because. Alcohol. <laughs> I will be out here constantly working on this bitch because alcohol. Two shelves of it. Which we do have a Patreon if you want to donate a little bit of extra uh, cashish to the alcohol. Yeah, because my bo the, the booze is expensive. Real quick. And some of it's good. And some of it's okay. Then we see a bottle that's like really, really fucking pretty. And, it's like, and the alcohol inside of it is not the best part of that purchase. No. But I love you guys. Y'all have a safe Halloween. And remember, check your kids' candy because Halloween costumes are fucking expensive and you earned it. Take what you want. Give nothing back. <laughs> Take no prisoners of Reese's Cups.